Holy and gracious God, we pray that you might continue to speak to us this day. Through the words of the scripture read, and the words and the meditations of my heart, and we pray that they would be pleasing to you, O Lord, our God. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning, uh, we're continuing or ending our series on the Holy Spirit. We've tracked the beginning of the book of Acts from about verse chapter 1 up into chapter 9, and we've been talking about the unexpected and sometimes challenging, you know, ways of the Holy Spirit in our lives. A particular theme throughout this is talking about how the Holy Spirit works in us to connect us to one another. In fact, that's what today is. It's the birth of the church, and it begins with the Holy Spirit's arrival here amongst the disciples and then spreads and continues to go. It's unexpected, and it moves us to places that we didn't expect through circumstances that we weren't expecting and we weren't planning on ahead. And so our life full of twists and turns takes us on adventures that you look back and say, how did I end up there? How did we end up here in Hawaii for some of us or through the many adventures you've been in our life? I know I look back, I grew up in a small town in Minnesota and I've been reminiscing on that town because I haven't been back there in six years since moving from North Carolina to Hawaii just for turn, like, different things that have gone on and then COVID, we just haven't been back there. But growing up in Minnesota, I never would have expected that I would end up living and loving where I live on this little island that is in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. And I'm sure some of us can resonate with that. Although another thing that I never expected that I would do is that after going to college in Southern California, I took my first job teaching English in Japan. I was a Japanese, uh, Eng well, I was an English teacher in a Japanese public middle school there in that place. And, and one of the things I learned is about the power of language there. I, I did not know any Japanese going into there, and unfortunately, I wish I could say I was fluent, although I did have an immersion experience there. But any time that I find myself in a grocery store here in Hawaii, I guess pre-COVID, right, or running into someone who's Japanese and speaking Japanese, I instantly go back to that adventure I had after college. You know, I go to Whole Foods as one of my shopping places, and pre-COVID, it was always packed with Japanese tourists, and I would always hear them in the aisles going, Cho, Sugoi, or so cool. You know, they would hear them talking, and then I, and sometimes I would even see them wondering what things were, and I would find myself asking them, did they need help? Were they confused? Because I remember the moments when I would go through the Japanese grocery stores trying to figure out what in the world the kanji meant on the cans and the, the different instructions that were there. Needless to say, I learned how to cook from scratch while I was there because I didn't learn Japanese. But there is power in a language, isn't there, to take you back to where you were before at some point in your life. I didn't realize the power of language until I realized that not all people, especially even in the United States, had the same language or lingo. My first experience of moving away from my hometown in Minnesota was I went to a young life camp in North Carolina called Windy Gap, North Carolina. And at that young life camp, it happened to be the month when all of the South 
areas, you know, like Mississippi and Alabama and Georgia happened to come. And people came from all over the nation. But there I was, little, you know, small town Minnesota boy going to this camp ready to go. And I found that there was a gap in our English speaking ability. The, the long southern draws that they had and the language. I, and, and they would ask me about my accent. I mean, what, what do you mean my accent? You're the ones that are speaking a different form of English, right? But now I find myself you know, talking to my friends, planning a trip, going back to Minnesota, and all of a sudden picking up, oh, that's what I sounded like when I moved away from home for a little bit, the Ubechas and the Swedish and Norwegian mixture. And it brings me back, right, to where you came. And it, perhaps you're from New England area or maybe the South or wherever you're from, when you hear someone speaking in your dialect, you instantly have a talking point with them, right? You're like, oh, did you grow up in Minnesota? Or for me, Canada, I hear a lot of Canadian accents too. We're very similar. But you instantly have that talking point. And I think that for me, the power of the Holy Spirit in this Pentecostal moment harkens back to that for us. And it stood out to me a little bit more as I was reading and praying about this, is that the, each of the Jew, people in Jerusalem that had gathered were surprised and astonished. And the Holy Spirit right, had done all sorts of amazing miracles, right, through, through Jesus, you know, through the disciples. Like, I mean, they were doing awesome stuff. But the power of the Holy Spirit to allow these early disciples to speak in a dialect that all from all over had, could hear. Because remember, Jerusalem at that time was occupied territory. People would pilgrimage to the Holy Temple to be able to worship in what was their homeland, but it was still controlled by the Romans, and many of them were scattered all throughout. So the only language probably that they shared in common was that of Greek at the time. Because there's different dialects and different regions, but when Alexander the Great and the Greco you know, Empire rolled through all of Asia Minor and Jerusalem, they also began to enforce the learning and the teaching of Greek in those areas. And so while a lot of them found themselves unable to communicate because perhaps they weren't able to afford to go to the schools where they could really learn the language that was being spoken, because the Romans didn't really care about what language you spoke as much. They just wanted to, you know, make sure you paid your taxes and didn't revolt. <laughs> as long as you didn't do those things, it was okay. So language for them, coming from all over Asia Minor, and then hearing in the Holy Land, the dialects that they remember from their homes, was a powerful moment. It all of a sudden connected the Holy God to their homeland, to them as a person and the gifts and strengths that they had, the Holy Spirit was bringing them together. Where people from different places and, and different locale didn't have to speak an oppressor's language in order to be together. They could speak their own. They could tell their story and hear the story of another in a powerful and meaningful way. 
See, because when I tell the story of the, the Greeks coming in, right, coming into an area and taking over and making them speak another language, if you grew up perhaps in Hawaii, you might know that this story sounds familiar. Because that's the thing when someone comes in is they want to take away your language to take your power. Because if you can't speak in your native tongue, you all of a sudden lose an ability to sound educated, to sound meaningful. I remember uh, my Japanese when I was living in Japan was equivalent to that of the elementary schoolers. <laughs> because there I could communicate one-on-one -on -one with them when I would go into the elementary schools and play on the playgrounds with them. Of course, that wasn't forced upon me. That was a choice to go and to speak. But here in Hawaii, in 1893, with the overthrow of the Hawaiian kingdom, it was only a few years later, a few years later, that they banned the teaching of Hawaiian in the schools. And it wasn't until probably around the 70s with the renaissance of Hawaiian that people were able to start learning Hawaiian language, that here in this place, on this locale, there was a time period when it was taboo. can talk to some of our kapuna not to name Anne McBurney out, but you could talk to her afterwards who go to, went to Kamehameha, a school known for connecting our people to the Hawaiian history. But there, as she was a student, she was unable. They were, it was not allowed to teach Hawaiian at the time. Because to take away a language is to take a power from someone to speak, to have that sense of identity. And so I'm thankful that we've been able to incorporate that back into our society, that uh, Native Hawaiians have been bringing that. And you can talk to Ann Amen, who works with Hawaiian journalism, and you know, how we've been bringing in the talk story into the ways that we tell stories together. But to me, that was, that's a glimpse of the work of the Holy Spirit, allowing each individual to come together. Because the Holy Spirit does two things. It connects us to one another and connects us to God, the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit connects us to one another and connects us to God. And together we become the body of Christ. But the way that the Holy Spirit does it isn't through uniformity. The Holy Spirit doesn't require each of us to lose our language, to lose our stories, to lose our perspective, to gather. The Holy Spirit empowers us to know that we are welcome at the table. That your voice, your story, your history, the hometown you grew up in, the family dynamics, whether it's good or bad, are welcome to bring, and they make the body of Christ richer for it. And one of the things in talking about how the Holy Spirit works is we have different people with different faith experiences in our journey, and sometimes people feel like they got to not share that story for whatever reason, but that's the gift, right? Is that God works differently for each of us. And for some, we get ecstatic, miraculous moments. And for others, they're just the soft, subtle wind in our life speaking discernment. But your story 
your dialect of this thing called our faith is welcome and matters. And at the same time, the Holy Spirit is inviting us into the uncomfortable opportunity to do the same for your neighbors, to do the same for those in the pews, to do the same for your colleagues. And this has been our story about the Holy Spirit kind of spurring and bringing in people like that murderous guy, Saul, into the story of God at work in this world. So it doesn't matter your fragments, your flaws, that you and your language and your place, your family, with all of its twists and turns and messiness, is welcome. But it's not just that, that the Holy Spirit empowers you, us, to go out and speak that with others. Provide that sense of home when they're longing for it by giving them an opportunity to share their voice. And friends, that's the power of the church. And unfortunately, the church has been involved in opportunities throughout history where, you know, we've tried to be taking over the language. But how do we, here and now, be a voice that's not so often heard, which is a voice that is saying that each of us have gifts, each of us has a story, and allowing them to share it with us. One of the greatest gifts over the past two years, and I hope that it continues to grow, is to continue to learn more about Native Hawaiians through our partnership with Hika'alani and the other nonprofits that manage the heiau just next door. They've been working and doing summer camps all summer. Opportunity for each of us to be involved on their Saturday work days and even be invited to put some in food into the emu. A way that we can learn a story and hear. I know I'm talking to the choir if you've been here. Talk story is part of our culture. But as we gather around the table, let us intentionally give a seat for those new languages to be heard and proclaimed so that all might know they are loved and have a seat and all might know that God's love is for them and they are welcome at this table. They are welcome in our company. We're going to move now to a time of prayer. And at first, I'm going to invite us to a moment of silence, and we're going to pray for all the people. Although also at this time, uh, over the past few uh, weeks, it's become more and more kind of reminded of the challenge and the pain around gun violence, especially within our country. And so we're going to have a, a song of confession, which is appropriate for us as we move to the table, where we can confess together, lament together violence within our nation that over the past two weeks has reminded us over the past two decades. So I'm going to invite us to a time of prayers of all the people, and then we're going to move to a time of prayer and song where uh, Daniel will lead us and the team will lead us in this song. We'll sing a verse and then we'll pray some more and sing a verse and we'll pray some more. You'll get it. It'll follow along. 
But I invite you during this time that we might pray for all of God's people. Let us pray together. Holy and gracious God, while once we were scattered at the Tower of Babel, different people, different locales spread about the earth with different languages. You have been at work trying to draw us in, not making us the same or telling us what we ought to become, but allowing us a seat, giving us our voice in our native tongue, connecting us to our home, our place, our history, our community. So right now, we pray together for the people of the world. Thinking in particular of the people like those early, those Jewish followers spread out in occupied territories. We pray for your creation and all that you have made. We pray for our nation. We pray for our local community. We pray for our church and those near and dear to our hearts. wake of the violence in Tulsa and Valde, we remember gun violence throughout our nation, and we lament and confess together through the songs that are sung. tragedy, especially in the wake of shootings, breaks your heart. And we pray that as your heart is broken, ours might too. And we might find ways to share story and to talk perspective 
but to make meaningful change for the peace that we hope for here on earth. Jesus, Lord, we hear you say, don't turn little ones away. May we build a kinder land where our children understand every child here matters more than the gods we clamor for. God, we pray for a place of peace, also of comfort and safety for our keiki to go to schools where they're not preparing for the worst. For being able to go to malls and movies and sporting events without fear of what might happen. Holy Spirit, move us as a people to create the peace and safety and security that comes in your kingdom. Holy Spirit, wind and flame, send us out in Jesus' name. May we shout and say enough. May we build a world of love till the sounds of weapons cease, till our young can grow in peace. God, we believe that the kingdom that you bring on earth is a kingdom of peace where violence and war and threats of it cease. And it seems impossible, a utopia of sorts, but it's what we pray for and long for nonetheless. And so we pray for your kingdom to come here on earth as it is in heaven through the Lord's prayer that your son taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Having prayed for your kingdom, we acknowledge that it's still off in the distance. And we acknowledge our need for you and the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.